Welcome to the I Love Seville show, guys. My name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's a Tuesday in downtown Charlottesville. We're in the shadows of Thomas Jefferson's University, two miles, less than two miles um, from the John Paul Jones Arena, from the lawn, from Scott Stadium, a block away from the Charlottesville Police Department, a police department that is very busy right now. Currently, the police department raiding a house on Charlton Avenue with the help of the Virginia State Police. We are one block away from the Almoral County Courthouse, the Charlottesville Courthouse, a block off the downtown mall, and right in the middle of the hedge funds, the family offices, the law firms, and the movers and shakers that, that really drive business and the economy in, in, in central Virginia. A lot we're going to cover on this program. We'll talk politics on today's show. We will talk crime on today's show. We'll talk economics on the program. We will talk real estate on the program. And we'll have a special guest today. The one, the only, the mysterious, the great Giardini will join us on the Tuesday edition of the I Love Seville show. Take a look at the screen for headlines. First, I want to offer some insight into the three days of being away from our studio, three difficult days, um, but really it was five and a half for me. On a Wednesday evening, things were just not feeling right with the old body. And I went to bed around 7, 7.30 on Wednesday evening, and it felt like I didn't wake up until Monday morning. And that's pretty much what happened. From this past Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. to yesterday morning, I got out of bed one time. I walked from my bed to our breakfast area, spent three hours out of bed, and then went back to the bedroom. I went from bouts of absolute freezing chills to bouts of sweating through my clothes, the sheets, the bed, one right after the other. From Wednesday night until Monday morning, I had one meal. I've lost nearly nine pounds when I weighed myself this morning, from Wednesday night until Monday morning. My wife persuades me, finally, on Sunday to go see the doctor. We go to the doctor. Going to a doctor's office in 2024 is an excruciating experience. Excruciating experience. If you haven't done it, I hope you don't have to. Go to the doctor, get some of my antibiotics, get pumped with some antibiotics, and here we are Tuesday, not at 100%, but God, praise God, not in bed anymore. That offers some insight into what my Wednesday night until Monday morning looked like, the sickest I have ever been in my life. I think of my wife and our two boys during that time as influence and motivation to keep pushing forward. For those that go through something like this as single people or, or, or home alone or with no family around, I pray for you, and I sincerely mean that. I cannot imagine going through what I just did from Wednesday night until Monday morning 
alone. My wife, an amazing rock star, nursing me back to health, while our oldest son, who is nearly six in kindergarten, has the same symptoms that I do. Granted, children, for some reason, recover at a way faster clip than, than adults do. There was a time and place in my life where I believe that you could overcome sickness through the power of the mind, where you could literally say, I'm not sick, I won't allow myself to get sick, I'm not sick today, and I could overcome stuff that way. The older you get, maybe you're just more vulnerable or susceptible, or your immune system is just not as strong. But I'll tell you what, it was a dark Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and into Monday morning for me. On Monday, around 11.30, I see the sunshine peeking through the cracks in the curtain of our bedroom. And like a moth to a light bulb, I was drawn to these rays of sunshine luring me out of bed, giving me the hope and the courage to stand up and get out of a cavernous room that had been my coffin for five days. Sitting in this chair and connecting with you guys again is a blessing. And before I move to the next topic, I want to remember this. And it takes bad times like this to appreciate the good times. We could do anything we want in life. Professionally, personally, athletically, whatever you call it. But if we don't have our health, nothing matters. It's a cliche. I learned it yet again, over the last five days and change. Health is number one. Health and the family around you, number one. It's great to be back in the sound. All right, take a look at the screen here. We got Bellamy Brown. And this is going to be a tough topic for me because the man's a friend of the program, Bellamy Brown. Man's a friend of the network. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope Bellamy's watching the program today. Someone should tag Bellamy Brown and let him know. He's in the news, Mr. Brown is. And he's in the news for a very curious, very odd, very conspiratory theme. He is alleging cronyism in City Hall with City Council. Bellamy Brown, the political candidate who has failed not once but twice to be elected, the first time in 2019 for City Council. The last time was last year for a run for delegate in Richmond. Katrina Coulson got that victory. He did not come close to beating Ms. Coulson. And today, Mr. Brown is looking to get 
his political resume a bit more polished for a push at potentially a run for the 54th district when Colson's two-year tenure is up. And he is claiming that city council, in particular Lloyd Snook, Brian Pinkston, and Michael Payne, are using cronyism and tactics backed in conspiracy to prevent Mr. Brown from serving on housing advisory committees in the city of Charlottesville. I'm going to unpack this story from a fair angle. Probably the fairest angle Mr. Brown's going to get because Mr. Brown knows he's a friend of this program. I, the benefit of the doubt that's going to be offered to Mr. Brown in today's analysis will be a benefit of the doubt that likely will not be provided by the average Joe and Sally in the public and by any other media outlet in Central Virginia. Also on today's headlines, we're going to talk about an uptick in gun violence around Charlottesville, including a shooting over the weekend on the, just off the downtown mall in the 200th block of Market Street. What block are we in, Judah? Let's see. Um, we're in the, I think we're in the 400, yeah, 400 block. Yes, thank you. You know the address to where you were. <laughs> You've been coming here for years. Yeah. We're in the 400th block. It's right there on the window yeah. of Market Street. So in the 200th block, a shooting as bars are letting out. Charlottesville Police Department Chief Conscious, they're currently raiding a house on Carlton Avenue with the help of the Virginia State Police. We need to talk about a topic that I was hoping was done with gun violence on today's program. I want to talk about the uptick in listings in the Lewis Mountain neighborhood. Over the last two weeks, four homes have hit the market in Lewis Mountain. Four houses in Lewis Mountain. They range from $1 million to $2,200,000 in asking price. We will answer this question, why are Lewis Mountain Homes hitting the market with such aggressive clips, and why are we hearing more Lewis Mountain Homes are set to hit the market in the very near future? And ladies and gentlemen, we're very excited to introduce a new segment on the I Love Seville show featuring Charlottesville's greatest fortune teller. No, it's not the lady on Route 29 that was scamming people out of their money by reading their palms. <laughs> what was her name? You remember that story? She was telling fortunes on Route 29 where she was saying, you have serious wealth and opportunity in your future, but to truly realize that wealth and opportunity, you need to leave $175,000 with me right now so I can invest it in the afterlife on your behalf. Was that Miss Cleo? That's the one. How did you remember that? I mean, how the hell did you remember that? What I mean, is what was her name? I think it was Miss. Cle I know it was Cleo. I think. It was Are you on Miss screen? Yeah, I think it was Miss Cleo. I used to drive by her. I by think that, that's the one. I used to drive by that house. I'm pretty sure that's one. See if we can figure that figure out that uh, story. Charlottesville fortune teller arrested is what I'm going to Google. See if you can find what that is. Uh, Sandra Stevenson Marks, a.k.a. Catherine Marks, is who it was. Catherine Marks. 
She laundered more than a million dollars in stolen funds from her victims. She claimed to be a psychic. Oh, I'm queuing up an article from the Seville Weekly. Psychic readings. What was, was the sign outside her Seminole Trail business? Stole over two million from five people. Sonder Stevenson Marks. Don't worry, the great Giardini will not be asking for your money. All the great Giardini will be doing will be looking deep into a crystal ball to predict some outcomes for Charlottesville. The lead of the story, however, on a rainy Tuesday afternoon in downtown Seaville is the Bellamy Brown saga. Judah, this is a concerning story. And the benefit of the doubt will be offered to Mr. Brown at a level that others I do not think will offer. I'll set the stage. Sounds like your benefit of the doubt is going to be very present today. Bellamy Brown, in an interview with the Daily Progress, he reached out to us weeks ago about this via Facebook direct message. You saw the messages. I wasn't sure what to do with the messages he was sending us weeks ago about these alleged cronyism complaints or claims. I responded to him, I wish you nothing but the best, Mr. Brown. Always nothing but the best. That's how I responded to these claims. <clears throat> he, however, recently got an audience with the newspaper. And the newspaper, of course, Jason Armesto wrote a story six hours ago about the alleged cronyism within City Hall as it pertains to Bellamy Brown's viewpoint or vantage point. Mm -hmm. He claims that Michael Payne, Lloyd Snook, and Brian Pinkston <coughs> are in cahoots to sabotage Bellamy's political future. He claims Lloyd Snook, Michael Payne, and Brian Pigston are in cahoots, and their plan is to keep Mr. Brown off of volunteer committees, in particular the vacant seat on the Charlottesville Housing Advisory Committee, which is an 11-member all-volunteer group which provides counsel with recommendations to improve affordable housing options and provides for-profit developer recommendations to encourage thoughtful development. He was denied an opportunity to sit on this advisory committee despite being one of two applicants for this committee, despite being qualified, his words, his words, he was not greenlit for this committee, and now he is responding by speaking to whoever, whomever will listen, why he believes three counselors are trying to politically sabotage his political career. And he attributes that to being a legitimate threat to Katrina Coulson, and that <laughs> Snook... Payne and Pinkston are backing Coulson, who clearly is a starlet of the Democratic Party in Charlottesville and perhaps beyond. If you're not reading the tea leaves correctly, 
Katrina Colson, who's a, a Richmond delegate right now, she has an incredibly bright political future. She is 2-0 in the races she's, she's uh, run. She is undefeated in her first race, school board, where she was the chairwoman of the school board. Yeah. And she won in convincing fashion last year in a delegate race that was crowded and competitive that saw three known brands on the ticket and Dave Norris, Bellamy Brown, and Katrina Colson. That race got ugly. And when the political science finally was broken down, Dave Norris and Bellamy Brown basically split their voter base. And Katrina Colson with some Sonia Smith fundraising dollars, and by some I mean a hell of a lot, she allowed Norris and Brown to muck it up. She stayed away from the mucking up, and she catapulted herself to Richmond and is now a delegate in the capital of the Commonwealth. What do you make of this? This is a saga. This is young and the restless in real time without Victor, Jack, and Ryan. Instead of Victor, Jack, and, and Cricket, we have Bellamy, Lloyd, and Katrina. 12.30 p.m., CBS. Forget that. 12.30 p.m., I Love Seville Network, City Hall. Show is yours on this saga. I think my... My biggest confusion over his claims are that uh, are the claims of cronyism, because they haven't filled the position. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I'm not sure why he would make that claim. It seems uh, spurious. I mean, it it just seems like an odd claim to make in in this case. I can certainly understand his. Uh, I don't know if paranoia is the right word, but uh, you know his sense that uh, that Charlottesville is against him. It would hard. It would be. I'd be hard put to uh, to <clears throat> to not feel the same way if I uh, if I was in his position. Uh, but I just I, f- I feel like he's taking everything that's happened over the course of the last few years and channeling that into you know a uh, uh, vendetta for, for lack of a better I wouldn't say a vendetta I would say uh, he's, the, he's basically claiming this is a vendetta against him to sabotage okay. his political career yeah I mean I would I would call it uh, a victimhood mentality like the fact I don't know um, this is his exact quote that he gave the Daily Progress. Mm-hmm. Quote, my strong belief, and I believe very accurate, is they seek not, they seek to not let me serve our community due to concern that I will be a viable threat to Colson. Does he, I, I didn't see Michael Payne responds to that quote in the Daily Progress saying, quote, that's not how I made my decision, end quote. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would like to hear more from Brown about why he feels that way. Is, does he have... He's basing it on the, this, these reasons. The housing, advisi- housing Advisory Committee he wanted to serve on... Yeah, it has an open seat. Has they an did. open seat. It hasn't been filled. He applied. He was one of two candidates. He thought he was the only one. He was one of two, actually. Yeah. 
Neither of the two applicants for that open seat got the look, got right. the nod. In fact, city council said we, were, we would rather keep the spot empty right now than give it, give it to these two candidates. I think it was less that they would rather not give it to those two candidates. They're looking for a nuanced person for this spot and that has zoning ex- upzoning right. experience. They're looking for someone with specific experience to, yeah. to round out the, the board. And I have no problem with that. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that either. I have no problem with that. Choosing the right candidate as opposed to a candidate that just happens to apply when a job is open. Anybody that runs a business, you choose the right candidate as opposed to just filling a job. Yeah. Anyone who runs a business, that's the case. Interestingly, this whole story just is not a good look. No. And I'm, I am a huge Bellamy Brown supporter. I said during the, the race last year, the delegate race, that got contentious and heated and nasty, that we would be lucky, lucky to have any in the 54th district, any, Colson, Norris, or Brown. The reality, Katrina Colson crushed her opponents. Yeah. She crushed them. Mm-hmm. She is a Charlottesville city attorney. She is a Ivy League pedigree. She is Albemarle County School Board. Albemarle County Chairwoman of School Board. Yeah, and she's got the backing. Albemarle County School Board coming out of COVID. Arguably one of the most difficult times to be on the school board, navigating the leadership of the schools. And as Judah said, she's got Sonia, Sonia Smith money. She's got Sonia Smith money, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. The star power, the resume, the upside, the brightness around Katrina Colson should not be undervalued. This is a Democratic political candidate that has as much upside as any in the party. I'm going to go, I'm going to put it into perspective. Sally Hudson was the darling of the Democratic Party when she took over for David Toscano in the House. What we've come to realize with Sally Hudson is she's a bit socialist for even some in the Democratic Party. She's a bit... She is so left Sally Hudson that she's turned off some in the Democratic Party. And Ms. Hudson, who has a bright political future, she made the dubious decision of challenging creed deeds this past election cycle. And many were left perplexed. What are you doing challenging an institution like Cree Deeds? The reason she did was because of redistricting. She saw a vulnerability with Cree where it was a new district and the fact that Cree had his base splintered. Hmm. And she said, with Cree being an older white guy and his base splintered, I'm going to go after him in the state senate. And you know what happened? Backfired. It backfired. It was tight, but it backfired. She did not wait her turn. 
She could have easily done another two years in the house. Sally Hudson. And now, Sally took an L. She took a loss. And Katrina Coulson is in her seat. And Coulson, unlike Sally Hudson, is not super left. She's more in the centered realm of Democrat. And Coulson knows how to play the game. Do you call... Bellamy, a legit threat to, to Katrina Coulson? No. Neither do I. Do you see an opportunity for Mr. Brown winning any election his first? With what storylines now on the interwebs police civilian oversight board drama and now this I think he would need he would need a completely 100% buttoned up campaign big big backers and he would need a lot of time and effort to uh, to get over the get over the hump of a lot of this information. I think he could do it. Like I said, with uh, with a perfect campaign and a lot of money, but it would be. I mean, in this in this area, I think Charlottesville is just. The wrong place. One of the biggest mistakes he has made was in 2019 when he ran for city council. He chose to do it as an independent mm-hmm. instead of as a Democrat. And when Bellamy Brown in 2019 ran for city council as an independent, he got into a brouhaha, a war of words with Nakia Walker. And Nakia Walker basically questioned his, his blackness. Nakia Walker did. Nakia Walker basically called him some of the nastiest of names. Okay? Mm-hmm. And he thought he could use the independent label to distance himself from a Democratic Party in Charlottesville that was in disarray. And at a time in the Democratic Party, because of Nakia Walker's Shenanigans. Shenanigans and lunatic behavior. The Democratic Party was vulnerable. And still an independent could not get on council. An independent that grew up in this area. Yeah. Still could not... A military veteran, a Marine, Mm -hmm. could not get on council. Yeah. And in 2019, as after losing city council as an independent... He goes last year for House of Delegates, yeah. and he chooses to run as a Democrat. Yeah. And folks found that disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody sees Mr. Brown as a, uh, as a Democrat. There it is. There it is. And this is the wrong area to be running as anything but a Democrat. And there it Democrat. is. 
Judah Wickhauer in a nutshell. Let's get to the viewers and listeners commenting on the feed. Let's go to John Blair. He knows a thing or two about politics. Get his photo on screen. He says, I don't say anything about political controversies, but I will say that Katrina Colson is one of the nicest, most inclusive people I've known. Let's go to Grayson watching this program. Jerry, it's great to have you and Judah back on screen. We missed you significantly. I did not realize how much of a part of our day that you and Judah were until you go off air for a handful of days. Not only did it impact our lunchtime hour, but it impacted what we talk with our neighbors about when we're walking Gus around the hood. Thank you. Thank you for being back on air, and I'm glad you're feeling better. Trey Barham, welcome to the program. Olivia Branch, watching the program. She says this, Olivia, I absolutely love you. Can you get Olivia's photo on screen? Welcome back, little brother. Glad you are on the men. I hope your family is well. Thank you, Olivia. I will say this, my wife is an absolute rock star. I say it all the time on this program. I hope she's listening. She nursed me and our oldest son to health while keeping our 15-month-old fed 10 meals a day keeping everything else going around the house. The stuff she does behind the scenes for the business. And Judah Wickhauer, a rock star around the office as well. Thank you. From Wednesday night until Monday morning, I had one meal and did not leave the bed but once. <laughs> the episodes were freezing cold for two hours to sweating through my clothes through two hours, to freezing cold for two hours, to sweating through my clothes for two hours, from Wednesday night until Monday morning. Yeah. Anyone that goes through something like that by themselves... I remember having pneumonia a few years ago. Well, probably more than a few years ago, but uh, not too long ago. And it was miserable. I'd come, come into work here, then I'd go home and just like try to find a position where I could breathe on the bed and just Stephanie Wells Rhodes watching the program can we get Stephanie's photo on screen glad you're feeling better my friend welcome back thank you Stephanie Bill McChesney watching the program TV station down the road watching the program newspaper watching the program all right we'll go to the next topic before we do I'm going to dot the I's and cross the T's on the brown topic look Mr. Brown's a friend of the program. He reached out to us weeks ago with this storyline. I didn't give this storyline airtime. I know Lloyd Snook extremely well. Lloyd Snook's internal compass is one that beats at a very strong moral metronome level. The man is not going to be, at this point of his political career, this is the last run for Mayor Snook. Yeah this term on council. And when you have 
the benefit of having your last term in office. I mean, he's got, what is he, 70? Did we figure he was 70-something? I think so. Still spry, still full of zest. But when you're in your final term in your political career, you don't worry about stuff like this. He's just going about his day-to-day on council with what he thinks is best for the city. And he's not being jaded or swayed by what could happen in a delegate race two years from now. That's crazy talk. And I don't think Michael Payne or Brian Pickson are influenced by that either. And then, to really put it in a nutshell, if Katrina Coulson wants to run for delegate for a second term, and she very well could, there's nothing beating that bustle. That bustle is going to get what it wants. Mark it down. You're calling her a buzzsaw. In the most flattering way possible. And if Katrina Coulson, if, I know you watch the show from time to time. If word gets back to you that Jerry Miller called you a buzzsaw, it was done in very flattering terminology. She is a buzzsaw. She is the type of political foe or the type of adversary that will look at you in the eye, smile at you, charm you, have you leaving the room feeling like you're on the top of the world and then go beat your ass behind the scenes. And that's politics. And she's good at it. There you go. And she's good at it. All right. What do you want to... Is, is, the, is, the, is the phrase gun violence back? Uh, apparently. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you really can't stop. You could take away everybody's guns, but that's... The problem is the close proximity of this now. Yeah, I know, but... And the I mean, other it... problem is the 200th block of Market Street, right, right as bars are being let out. Yeah. That scares the bejeebus out of me. Yeah, but bars let out late, so it's not like people... 145. Walk... Yeah, nobody... This is 145 in the morning. It's not like anybody's got to be worried about, you know, their kids or, you know, their, their loved ones... Uh, I mean, obviously, some people do, but... Judah, people go to bars, and they close them down. I know that. Okay. I, I know that. But the point being that making this, making this into the downtown mall being unsafe at all hours of the day is uh, reactionary and, uh, and, I think, overblown. I'll, give, I'll, and, I'll echo that. I will echo that. And then there's the fact that these incidents have always been isolated and they're not the kind of thing that, you know, we, we don't, it's not like we have gun battles going on on the downtown mall. Do we know more about what happened with this? Do we know more of the story about why it happened? It seems to me that uh, similar to the... Uh, the, the last time we had gun violence on the downtown mall, having to do, you know, down near the other end of the mall, it was, it was personal. Like, that doesn't, make it, that doesn't make it any less scary for people that are on the downtown mall, especially <coughs> in, in this case when the bars are closing. But the fact of the matter is, it's not like people are walking around the downtown mall waving guns 
uh, when the bars get out. Okay, I'll, I, I'll, I feel I'll, like this was this is another isolated incident that is scary, but likely to not affect any of us. Okay, um, Charlottesville police, in conjunction with the Virginia State Police currently executing a search warrant in the 900th block of Charlton Avenue. This is what I think we're going to see from Chief Cotchis, the George Clooney of policing. Transparency with what's going on. Communication with the community. Mm. Quick response, fast arrests, justice, Action results. Yeah, that's what we've been seeing from, from his office so far. And that's all we can ask for. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, we hear about something, and what do you know, a day or two later, we're reading, we're reading about, uh, uh, you know, case solved in, in the news. And I think that they're, they've been on the ball with all this stuff. Obviously, you can't, you can't stop someone from firing off a gun. I mean, most crime is not something that you can actively prevent uh, unless you have actionable evidence that something is going to happen. And in the case of something like this, I, I doubt it was, uh, it was premeditated in a way that, uh, that anyone could have been like, oh, well, we should have stopped it. Deep Throat watching the program. Let's get his photo on screen. He wants to comment on the Bellamy Brown topic. You got his photo on there? Yep. He says city council being pretty short-sighted with the Bellamy Brown thing. Sure, that passes the smell test. But I, what I struggle with is this. Is the Housing Advisory Committee a springboard to higher political office? For me, Deep Throat says, the Housing Advisory Committee seems more like a trapdoor to the sloth of terminal boredom and the domain of shoeless Phil Doranzio. That was the planning commissioner who sat in meetings barefoot that we played on the I Live Seville show. I do remember that. In regards to the gun violence, I echo what you just said. I will say this. In February, when people are still paying credit card bills from the holidays, when the weather's cold, and when foot traffic's down, the last thing the eight blocks that we call the heartbeat of Charlottesville is, needs is more negative headlines. Yeah. The headlines are already panhandling, homelessness, Foot traffic has not returned. Storefronts are returning. And now this. Sandersville in the park. Tent town. Don't want to add to that headline cornucopia. Yeah. There's some truth to not adding to the headline cornucopia. But I do think Cotchus and the police department are going to 
drop a Judge Judy-like gavel and hammer on this. Yeah, no doubt. And when he does, it's going to further add to the mystique of a man that appears to be able to do no wrong. What has Conscious done wrong on the job so far? Uh, well, there's some question about the um, potentially too quick uh, charging. You're talking about the Rivana of the Rivana assaulter. I'd like a little clarity on that. That storyline yeah. has definitely sunk below the news cycle. Yeah, it's out of general sight right now. And is that uh, by coincidence or intentional? A man who claims his innocence and says he has alibis to prove it. I'd love some clarity on that. We all would. No doubt. Regardless, Conscious is what? 13 months, a year and change into his campaign. Things continue to go as they're going. You might name a street after this man. This man could be your first police chief, city councilor. I don't think that legally can happen. <laughs> you don't think that legally can happen? I don't think that legally can happen. Oh, at the same time. At the same time. Right, right. Yeah, and who in God's name would retire from a $200,000 job to take an $18,000 job? Yeah. Where half the community hates your guts and the other half don't even care about you. Right. But if it could happen, like the player coach in sports, a guy that was able to be uh, a performer on the pitch or on the court or on the field while also coach his team, there have been those rare circumstances in sports lore where an individual has been both a player and a coach. Conscious that rare circumstance in Charlottesville lore who could be both a counselor and a police chief. And if he had the criteria, I mean, Mo Jones went from NBC 29 evening sportscaster to city manager. If you can go from calling Jefferson District girls volleyball on NBC 29 after Norm Sprouse botches the weather to being the top head honcho of Charlottesville city manager, why couldn't a police chief become a city manager? Here's Norm Sprouse with the weather. There's zero chance we will have rain tomorrow. Zero chance we will have rain. As it's raining right now. <laughs> Norm Sprouse with the weather. And next, Mo Jones with the news. Uh, in Jefferson District Girls Volleyball Action, Hannah Kraling had 12 kills. Kim Jones, five assists. Back to you, Sharon Gregory. I'm having a little fun. Yep. It's good to be back. <clears throat> I'm having a little fun. I kid because I care. All right. Can we talk Lewis Mountain? One of the most Tony prestigious, exclusive, wealthy, in coveted neighborhoods in this community, Lewis Mountain, adjacent to the University of Virginia, 15-minute walk from the downtown mall, 
across the street from Foods of All Nations, right next to Farmington and the Boar's Head, within walking distance of grounds, has had four listings hit the market in the last two weeks. Listings range from a million even, one million even, to 2.2 million. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that homeowners in Lewis Mountain are now becoming quite concerned with what upzoning could bring and how it could impact this neighborhood. I am hearing that more units, more homes, are going to be coming on the market in the very near future as well. Hmm. One of the homes, to be exact, 1943 Thompson Road, initially listed at $2,480,000, six bed, five and a half bath, 4,600 square feet, 0.27 acres. And within, I'm going to look at it on the MLS right now. From February 15th to February 18th, this listing cut $280,000 in its asking price from the 15th of February to the 18th of February. Another listing that's hit the Lewis Mountain neighborhood is 303 Alderman Road, three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath, 1,900 square feet, 0.31 acres, asking a million dollars. Here's how this listing is marketed. Are you ready? Recently transitioned from R1 to RB zoning, this change simplifies development by setting a fixed density. Developers are allowed a baseline of six units, which increases to eight if the existing home is retained and can expand to 12 units for projects including affordable housing. The city permits the construction of townhomes or condos within designated setbacks and allows for the subdivision into individual lots for sale. This property not only offers flexibility in development, but also connects investors to the vibrant university community, enhancing its appeal for both residential and academic-oriented projects. The, list, the language in the listing, Judah Wickhauer, makes zero mention, zero mention, Yeah of the specs of the house itself. Instead, the language makes only mention of the opportunistic nature of upzoning and how it applies to the neighborhood and this Mm. parcel. It's a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath brick rancher that's 1,900 square feet on a third of an acre. The asking price, a million bucks. It went on the market two days ago. Another one hit the market moments ago on Cameron Lane, four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, 3,000 square feet. So you went from a neighborhood that houses were trading off-market for premium, sellers commanding whatever they wanted, yeah. where rare it, was, it was rare if these listings hit the market because they were just trading with the who's, who's in the know. Right. 
to now you have four in the last two weeks with more to come. And the one at the top of the pricing pyramid, is pricing Mc, spectrum. Is a McMansion. Cut $280,000 after just being on the market for three days. You're seeing the neighborhood spooked with upzoning. You're seeing the neighborhood spooked with that apartment tower at the Truist Bank site. You're seeing the neighborhood spooked with political uncertainty, developmental uncertainty. And you're seeing the neighborhood asking itself this, do I want to call this house my forever home when an apartment tower can be created and constructed right next to my house where my kids play. And you know who called this? Let them know who called this, Judah. Yeah, go ahead. Let them know who called it. You called it, but is anybody really going to build a, an apartment tower in the middle of that neighborhood? Why not? I mean, isn't the, aren't they the asking prices even... Even the ones that are dropping their prices a little out, uh, out of the range of someone wanting to build something like that? That's a great question. Judah Wickhauer, a man of economics. This $1 million house on a third of an acre that was transitioned from R1 to RB zoning where developers are allowed to build a baseline of six units <coughs> which increases to eight if the existing home is retained. <clears throat> it can expand to 12 units for projects with affordable housing. They could put 12 units on 0.31 acres in a neighborhood. Yeah. That's Tony, prestigious, and rich. If they do affordable housing. Yeah. Everyone's in favor of, of affordable housing, except... Everyone's afraid of affordable, uh, for affordable housing. Everyone's in favor of affordable housing, except if it's right next to them. Yeah. Everyone says, oh, affordable housing. Affordable housing. Housing affordability. Affordable housing. Except if it's right next to them. Yeah. What do you call that? I mean, it's literally not in my backyard. Literally. Somebody else's backyard, maybe. Not in my backyard. Yeah. Deep Throat's highlighting the crummy rancher on Alderman, he says. I'm curious to see the economics play out as more units hit the market in this neighborhood. Yeah. You had, you're having a, you're having a changing, we are literally watching before our eyes a neighborhood with pedigree and what's the word, potigy? I'm not sure. Potigy? Did I just make that up? I think so. I'm not sure what you're getting at with that word. Uh, We're watching and... You're going to throw it in? No, no. I'm trying to figure out what 
what word you were looking for. We're watching a neighborhood with pedigree and history and affluence. A neighborhood that's Tony talked about coveted transition before our eyes into potentially Jefferson Park Avenue 2.0. Hmm. Jefferson Park Avenue and the area around JPA, the side streets, Shamrock, Cleveland, Sunset, Stribling, it's an eclectic mix of student housing and residence. Yeah. That's literally happening very quickly in Lewismouth. Maybe happening. We'll, we'll see. We, yeah. We'll see. Deep Throat's got some economics for us. One million of land, buying land for a million dollars for the ability to build six 1,500 square foot units. That can actually work. Hmm. 170,000 per entitlement could be made to work. It just has to be a luxury product. There you go. John Blair's heading to a meeting, but he's got something for us to consider. John Blair, you're going to miss the great Giardini. He's about to take my place. Get ready. And someone's going to take Judah's name. What's the person going to take your, your place's name? Uh, I'll have to think about that. You, you got about 90 seconds. Oh, man. You got about 90 seconds. John Blair says, I've got to head to a meeting, but here's something to consider. <laughs> If you purchase this land... Okay, he's doing the economics too, just like Deep Throat. Deep Throat, listen to Blair's economics here. If you purchase this land for $1 million, demolish the existing structure for 100000 and build a fourplex of four units of 1,000 square feet at a cost of 250 per square foot, another million dollars spent, you've got $2.1 million in the quadplex. Throw in 20% profit, you're at 600000 or so for a 1,000 feet unit in a quadplex if you're selling the four units. $600,000 for 1,000 square feet in that business model. Jesus Christ. This is the world we live in. Charlottesville, Virginia. Good Lord. Carol Thorpe says, it's great to have you both back. Can we get Carol Thorpe's photo on screen? In fact, keep Carol Thorpe's photo on screen as the great Giardini takes my place. And as who's your character? Oh, man. Uh, let's call me, uh, uh, let's see. How about the sidekick? The sidekick? <laughs> We're going to work on your branding. We'll see who does the branding around here. The sidekick? All right, sidekick. Make sure you're ready to go. Keep it on a two-shot when you're ready. I'm ready. Do I need a headdress for the great Giardini? I got my uh, crystal ball. Can you see my crystal ball? They can see your crystal ball. Ah, my crystal ball is so clear today. Sidekick. Sidekick, first we need a new name. That's the first thing we're going to do here. 
The great Giardini is going to find a better name for the sidekick here. What should the sidekick be called? Is the sidekick on a two-shot? Now he is. Oh, sidekick. You will forever be named... Boobini. Boobini. That was the name you're going to give yourself. Boobini. I don't want that name. You're Boobini. Boobini. Great Giardini. Terrible. And Boobini. I need a big. <laughs> I need a big B on my forehead. <laughs> Boobini. And you need a hat. I do need a hat. I, I might take that hat from you. I love that hat so much. Unless you like that hat, Boobini. I'm fine with you wearing it. Do you not like that hat? I don't mind it. But uh, I think. Do you want to trade this baton for that hat? Sure. But I will feel like Boobini, you will be underdressed because I have a crystal ball and you do not. That is true. I could take one of the uh, smaller crystal balls. Well, we have other. We have a. The great Giardini brought a crystal ball for you. Boobini. One like that? Yes. Well, we're not going to be able to. I don't think we'll be able to. We won't be able to put that on there yet. It might, it might show up on the screen. Right there? You want to try it? Studio cam. Studio cam. Oh, man. Hold on. We're doing Gonna... this on the fly. Studio oh, cam. Are we doing a flying chest bump? Uh. Flying chest bump? Boobini? Hold on. Boobini, your glasses are falling off your chin, Boobini. I have a crystal ball for you, Boobini. Uh, let's see. I gotta... These crystal balls are so heavy. This is like an actual bowling ball for Boobini's crystal ball. Boobini, are you ready? You gotta close that computer, Boobini. Uh, I'm just gonna move it over here. Are we fly no flying chest button? Okay, do you need a baton, Boobini? I I look your hat is crooked, Boobini. Why is your hat crooked, Boobini? Because it got chest bumped. <laughs> <laughs> oh god when I laugh after being on the sick deathbed for five days I'm cackling and laughing like an 87 year old woman who smoked camel reds all her life <coughs> how about that for some lung butter right there for you there you go you know what I need some headdress boobini can I should I take that here, here you have a you want it you could have tossed it. Entertain us, Boobini. Entertain us. And soon, the great Giardini will be back on screen with portents and fortunes. Oh, here we go. That'll do. All right. It's the great Boobini and the great Giardini. The fortunes of Charlottesville. What does your crystal ball say? Boobini. My crystal ball is charging up. Your crystal ball has to say something. <laughs> My crystal ball is saying this. That as more listings come on the market in the Lewis Mountain neighborhood, price cuts will be on the horizon for those that are on the market right now. Downward pressure is in the cards for listings. My crystal ball is saying this. Mr. Bellamy Brown, with his political future, must focus on staying away from drama.
to actualize long-term success and God-given ability. My crystal ball says this. Chief Kachis, the George Clooney of policing, will fight crime and will keep Charlottesville and its streets safe. My crystal ball is saying this. After many visits to Selvage Brewery on Ivy Road, the brewery will have massive success after moving from Woolen Mills. And its owners will look back on moving from Woolen Mills to Ivy Road with retrospect and say, that was one of the best business decisions we have ever made. My crystal ball is saying this. Oh, it's getting murky. It's getting really murky. Oh, I'm seeing some clarity. My crystal ball is saying Tony Bennett and its Virginia men's basketball team must beat Boston College and Georgia Tech because there's not a chance in hell they're beating Duke and Durham. And if they beat Boston College and Georgia Tech and don't flame out in the ACC tournament, the Hoos will go dancing in March. My crystal ball is saying this. Go to a two-shot. The great Giardini will be wearing the hat of Bubini on tomorrow's fortune-telling segment. Ah. And Bubini will be wearing Giardini's hat. Oh. What, you don't like Giardini's hat? I could try it on. Judah, or Bubini really knows how to get into, uh, really knows how to play the role over there. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm still learning. I, you know, I'm, what is I, your crystal ball saying, I Bubini? haven't gotten my fortune license yet. What? Neither did, uh, what was her name? Uh, apparently it wasn't Cleo. Was no, I don't think it was Cleo. Catherine? Oh, yeah. Neither did Cla- Catherine. What is your fortune telling, saying you? Oh. It says that we'll be back tomorrow at 1230. <laughs> your fortune is very clear. Your crystal ball is very clear. For the great Giardini and his sidekick, Bubini, and for Jerry Miller and Judah Wickhauer, who are enjoying a pour of bourbon off camera, this is the I Love Seville show. Whoa. 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 And there it is.